We selected this site because it's so easy for tourists and Florida residents to get here by automobile. I am no chicken. I will not talk. I Welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. Thank you for tuning in once again. I am Lou Mangello, coming to you this and every week, bringing you the very best ways to enjoy and enhance your Walt Disney World vacation experience. This is show number 67 for the week of May 18th, 2008. This week's show is going to be just a little bit different from my normal show, as I just returned from Walt Disney World, where I was visiting to cover the new Toy Story Midway Mania Attraction press event. So this show is going to be focused on the new e-ticket attraction that's going to be opening at Disney's Hollywood Studios later on this month. There will be no news, rumors, or emails or other segments this week, but I promise to bring those back to you again next week. I'll first take a look at the event and attraction with Glenn Whalen as we discuss everything from the new Pixar Studios area of the park to the incredibly detailed queue and interactive ride experience. It's a pretty much spoiler-free review and preview of what guests can look forward to enjoying for many years to come. I also met with TC and Kerry, the two Walt Disney World ambassadors, as they share their thoughts on Disney's newest attraction. Meg Crofton, president of the Walt Disney World Resort, also spoke about what's happening not just at the studios, but around the resort, and I'm gonna share that audio with you as well. And I had the opportunity to interview a number of Imagineers who also worked on the attraction, including senior show producer Chrissy Allen, senior concept writer Kevin Rafferty, senior show producer Lori Coltrane, and vice president of Disney's Hollywood Studios, Rylas Carter. I'll share that audio with their thoughts on the attraction, as well as those of authors Simon and Sharon Vaness from A Brit's Guide to Walt Disney World after experiencing the attraction for the first time. I'll also have an announcement about a new project I've been working on for some time now, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. The recent buzz when talking about Walt Disney World is all about toys, and more specifically, it's all about Toy Story Mania. It's an attraction that's about to open over in Disney's Hollywood Studios in just a few weeks. And this past week, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to be invited to a media sneak preview uh, for the new attraction over at Hollywood Studios this past May 14th. So, But what I wanted to do was not just talk about my experience and and what I saw that day and the attraction itself, but I wanted to bring on somebody else that also had a chance to see the attraction during some of the recent cast member and annual pass holder previews. He is friend of the show, Glenn Whelan, and uh, Glenn, I want to welcome you back. Thanks, Lou. It's great to be here. 
Yeah, like I said, I want to talk just a little bit about my experience because there was more to it than just riding Toy Story Mania. And then I thought maybe you and I can talk about uh, our feelings about the attraction and the queue and the whole new area that, that's opened up in that section of the studios. Fantastic. Let's let's do it. So like I said, Wednesday was the media event day. Uh, I checked in around noontime. And in addition to getting my media kit and some other goodies, uh, one of the real great things for me that day was my chance to meet and briefly speak with Disney's first chief magic official, Justin Michoni, who happened to be there. That was one of his very first duties uh, in that role. And uh, I just had a couple of minutes to talk to him. But clearly, uh, as I de- determined from when I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, he was the right choice. He was excited. He was happy. He was very much into it. And uh, you can really see that he loves what he's doing so far. That is so cool. One of the, the coolest things, though, that happened as I was going through the kit was Justin was giving out what Disney called a Dream Pass, and it allowed me and everybody else who got one to be a part of the Year of a Million Dreams celebration and make a little magic of our own. The pass, which was very well-themed, was like a big sort of golden ticket, allowed us to give it to one family of up to four people uh, of our choosing any time in the parks to allow them to ride the attraction in the afternoon uh, because it was closed to guests and, like I said, sort of make a little bit of magic. I found a family... Uh, right outside of Playhouse Disney that clearly needed a little bit of magic. The sun was having just about to hit that wall. Uh, Mom had lost her voice. I'm going to play that a little bit of audio that I took when I gave it to them on the show. I actually saw them again later on in the trip when I was over in the Magic Kingdom. They loved the attraction. and It was something that was really neat because it did exactly what Disney hoped it would do, which is really sort of enhance their vacation. And she told me, you know, she says, you know, you helped make a memory for us that we wouldn't have had otherwise. It really helped turn around a day that was starting to go downhill as uh, as the sun um, started, started, like they said, to, to hit the wall. And if you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So uh, before we were able to ride the attraction, we gathered in the Studios Plaza in front of the Sorcerer Mickey Hat, and they had a sort of abbreviated version of Block Party Bash there, which was wonderful. They had all kinds of floats and Toy Story characters, acrobats on trampolines that were just amazing. And it was really cool, too, because there was a lot of guest participation. They brought uh, children in from the audience to join them. They danced things like the Macarena and the Hokey Pokey and other dances that I'm just not too familiar with and would never do myself. Uh, and a real treat was that Meg Crofton, who's the president of the Walt Disney World Resort, came out. She gave a brief speech about the attraction and some of the other exciting things that are happening, not only at Disney's Hollywood Studios, but around Walt Disney World in general. I'm going to play some audio from that as well so you can hear directly from Meg. But the real highlight of their day was when we headed over to Toy Story Mania. And Glenn, this is when I want you to kind of join in with me because you had a chance to ride when? During the cast member or annual pass holder yes. previews? It was during the uh, cast member uh, ride. Uh, was well with a friend over there, and she happened to be a cast member, and she said, hey, let's get on over there. So we uh, we gave it a try, and I was so excited. Yeah, the, the attraction officially will not open to guests until May 31st, so begin to plan accordingly. But they did have some cast member. They had some annual pass holder previews. There also have been intermittent soft openings. They are unannounced openings, maybe for a couple of hours in the morning, a couple of hours in the afternoon, where guests will be allowed to come and ride the attraction uh, using the standby line without fast pass. Again, these are unannounced, so don't necessarily plan to go to the studios before the 31st and think that you'll be guaranteed uh, a ride on Toy Story Mania. But Glenn, before we talk about the attraction itself, I want to talk about 
the entire area of the studios because the landscape has changed. Uh, it's not Pixar Place. It's really Pixar Studios, as evidenced by the large black sign that hangs over the street um, that now houses Toy Story Mania. Uh, and right. you'll see as soon as you start walking in, that theming begins and that storytelling starts to take place right away. Absolutely. It, the, the theming uh, for, the, for the whole Pixar Studios area right into the queue... Uh, right away brings you down from from who you are into becoming a toy. Uh, you become the size of of a toy that would be in Andy's playroom. Exactly. And even before you get to the entrance to the attraction, you see uh, the, the brick facades of the building. And if you've ever seen the Pixar Studios, it was actually modeled after the brick pattern that Steve Jobs wanted for the <coughs> Pixar headquarters out in California. But you're also going to see the Toy Story theme. You're going to see the pieces from things like the uh, games like Scrabble and the little Barrel of Monkeys, Army Men, right. Tinker Toys, um, some of the other games. Actually, the entire Fast Pass area is made up of Tinker Toys and blocks. And like you said, you've got that feeling that you've been sort of shrunk down to toy size. Right. Every each one of those uh, fast pass machines is a different look. Some of them are built with Tinker Toys and Legos, etc. It was really cool. And across the street on that Pixar building, uh, the signage for that building is actually a large Scrabble board. Exactly. And speaking of the building across the way, one thing we should mention too is it wasn't open as yet. It was still walled off. But you'll see a sign for the Studio Cafe and the Camera Department. Now, the Camera Department is going to be a store that's built across the street, but the Studio Cafe is going to be a new dining establishment. So, in addition to the new attraction and the new store, we're also getting a new, what I assume to be, counter-service restaurant right uh, in Pixar Studios. But clearly, the theming and the story begins as you enter the queue of Toy Story Mania. We should qualify this segment to right off the bat by saying we're going to try and really be as spoiler free as possible we're not going to talk about some things that are going to ruin the experience for you but maybe just talk about some generalities and some things maybe to look for and the queue glenn obviously there there's a lot to see there absolutely it's such a treat i mean everything you go inside and you are i don't know if you're underneath a underneath andy's bed or in his toy chest I'm uh, not actually sure, but you are just surrounded by all these uh, toys and, and gizmos from gr- anything we've had when we were growing up. Exactly. Such a, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was I was thinking uh, like you know there's a Viewmaster reels uh, appropriately there a Peter Pan Viewmaster and a, a Disneyland Viewmaster reels just sitting there and they're they're uh, four feet across. You know, <laughs> it's it's really great. Yeah, there are so many great games from, Glenn, you and I are about the same age, from our childhood, which is wonderful because, as you'll see even later on in the attraction itself, it really marries that nostalgic aspect for adults and that whimsical feeling for younger kids. That's going to carry through where those classic Midway games that we experienced as kids are married to the high-tech world that you know kids today are are looking forward to. But I want to ask you a, a quick question. I think I know the answer based on what you said. Clearly, there is a story that's being told here. Uh, did you get the sense of that story as you walked into the queue, or is it something that you knew and were looking for? Well, no, actually, I wasn't familiar with what the story was going to be, and, and I, I found it hand, handled a bit differently than uh, their normal story ideas. Normally, you had a uh, chronological story being told. This one didn't seem to tell a chronological story. Rather, 
rather, I felt like I was the story in this case. Um, upon entering, I found that I was shrunk down to the size of a toy. I was uh, uh, challenged by uh, uh, Mr. Potato Head and then thrust into a gaming environment. And as we saw in the movies, the Toy Story movies, uh, the toys love to play games. And we were uh, immersed in that. So my experience told a story. Um playing around in this in this toy environment and that's exactly i mean i'm sure people from disney will be happy because that's exactly the story they wanted to tell was that you are immersed in this environment that the games and the, the toys in andy's room created when right. he supposedly went away and he just received this new midway games playset for his birthday the toys kind of opened up the box took out everything and set up their own little game booths and carnival trams and everything else so that they could play. When you walk through that archway into the queue, you are shrunk down and you get that immediate sense whether you go in the standby or the fast pass line based on the size of everything in there. And you made reference to some of those things. And the, the, the thing that I love about it is that all the games in the queue are simple. They're cards, mm-hmm. they're viewmasters, it's shoots and ladders, it's Candyland, it's the right. balsa wood plane. Balsa wood plane. Exactly. Right. <laughs> the things that we played with as kids. Right. And some kids today, you know, I hate, I hate to think so, might not know or, or have ever played shoots and ladders or some of these other games. So it might be a nice introduction almost to playing with a Tinker Toy, maybe instead of playing with the PSP. Yeah, and even even for those young people, I think these things would be familiar if they're also familiar with those Toy Story movies. I mean, they they uh, drop in Andy's drawings that he uses in that movie, uh, in the movies, to uh, his drawings of the bank, his drawings of Woody. They're also available on the walls as, as if uh, uh, there's also a, like Andy's drawings of a of a car. He's done. Exactly. And and there's crayons and there's dominoes and there's dice. Again, all going back to these simple games. And the beauty of the queue for me, and maybe it's just, you know, the, the high geek quotient, is that there's so much to see um, mm-hmm. from the, uh, you know, the, the little log cabin and everything else that you need to almost go through the queue again and again to enjoy it and experience and find those little hidden gems. And, I, and I'll say, as a whole... I think it's probably one of the very best cues on property right up there along with Expedition Everest and Tower of Terror. I totally agree with you. And and even more so because it's something that kids and adults are going to be able to enjoy and we're going to we'll touch on that more as we get to the attraction itself. But you also mentioned really one of the highlights of the queue and that's Mr. Potato Head and <laughs> what an amazing, you know, the videos don't do it justice when you get up to them. And he's five feet tall, and he's very fluid, and he's very engaging. He's not yep. just talking at you; he's speaking with you, and he's he does interacting with you yeah. absolutely, and does things that other animatronics have never done before. I was very, very, very impressed. Oh yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he addressed me by my shirt. Uh, I was wearing a blue and white striped shirt, and he mentioned the blue and white striped shirt. So I was really impressed by that. And that's the beauty of it. It sort of marries that turtle talk with crush interactivity with Mr. Potato Head being able to see you in the queue with the animatronics and with the use of Don Rickles' real voice with some pre-recorded, with so many pre-recorded sayings that they're able to put together. Uh, It's really spectacular how they were able to, to pull that off. Right. 
So it, it's it, fantastic. Yeah, it's one of those cues where I say, like Everest all the time, you want to go through the standby line because you want to see it. I mean, that's worth going to see uh, in and of itself. And it, right. and I think will really make the time fly by. Um, you know, Soren has something like that. They've got the interactive games, but certainly nothing uh, up to this level at all. I agree. So you move past there, you walk up some stairs in what looks like a carnival tent, and you get to a second, obviously, much smaller queue, and that's the boarding area before you get on the attraction. And it's important to note that as well because there's more great theming here, and there's so much more to see here, and there's board games and books. And, you know, for me as a kid, I saw this giant-sized, I don't know if you had them as a kid, Glenn, the little golden books. Yeah, sure, sure. The little puppy that did type books. Exactly. (laughs) You know, so I know, you know, the geek factor and rewritability factor goes up again because there's so much to try and take in. And I found myself laughing because I was trying to (laughs) walk and take pictures and stop and read and do all these things and not annoy the people who were behind me. um, Right. Because I was just I was mesmerized by by everything. And it was very bright and it was very colorful. And you really you want to feel like you're being a kid again. This is the attraction to ride. Yeah, and there were some references to an uh, early Pixar uh, offering of a tin toy was mentioned in there, too. Exactly. And, and again, the classic games, Mousetrap and Shoots and Ladders and oh, yeah. Ants in the Pants. I mean, kids are going, Ants in the Pants. <laughs> but yeah, and, you know, and there's uh, pay close attention to some of the books that are stacked up and painted everywhere else around. There are some classic book references as well as some uh, references to, like you said, some of the Pixar people and some of the Pixar films uh, and Pixar shorts. So we finally get to the attraction and we should talk a little bit about the vehicles themselves because they are very unique and unlike anything that you've seen on any other attraction. Here you have two by two seating, but each car fits four people. So there's two by two, but you sit back to back in a vehicle. uh, And it looks like the vehicles are kind of on a sort of a, uh, almost looks like a figure eight. So there's kind of two vehicles on these um, on these mechanisms, right. but they are unique not just because of the seating arrangements, but because they're going to allow all the riders on each side of the car to see different scenes throughout the attraction, possibly even play different games depending on what goes on and what they do. And again, we're talking about that re-rideability factor. Um, right. It's unique and it's fun, and I, and I really like these vehicles. Yeah, they, uh, they resemble a uh, midway booth Already, I mean, as you're approaching it, I'm looking at it, and it's designed to look like uh, you're about to sit inside of a midway booth, which is uh, puts you right in, right in with the the tone of the games that are to come. Exactly, and each vehicle is equipped with this little sort of pop gun. Um, it it almost looks like a little cannon with a ball and a string on the end that you would pull in order to shoot whatever it is in the attraction that you're going to shoot. And if you've ever played. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, the Buccaneers uh, Gold Quest in Disney Quest. It's akin to that same type of thing. Um, definitely in- improved uh, as far as ease of use. Little kids I saw using it, adults using it, older people using it with no problem. Um, and not what I was expecting, but a lot of fun to play. Right. And, right. and I will give you, here's my one bit of, of sage advice, having ridden it a number of times. If you're a righty, Try and sit on the right hand side because if you, uh, I sat on the right, I sat on the left hand side with someone who was a lefty, and we were knocking elbows the entire time. Um, 
So, and, and that's the only reason why my score was as low as it was. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. Of course. But so I would actually recommend alternating hands as you go from game to game, because by that last section, your uh, arm is really in pain. Yeah. A... <laughs> really start so, working out now before you yeah, ride right. Toy Story Mania, because you're going need to the, need the exercise. <laughs> but the attraction itself, again, tells that story and it's not just one scene that you go through you go through multiple scenes and multiple rooms and there's again so much to see even beyond just what you see on the screens but there's oversized toys here and so much as your vehicle is moving through again that I I found myself trying to enjoy and have fun and still try and catch everything there was to see right absolutely the and thing- uh, all the toys are all uh, cheering you on as you go around. You have uh, Rex giving advice as to what you should do as if he was right over your shoulder. Because once again, you are a toy uh, during this. And he is there because he's a, he's a friendly toy helping you out. And I'll just avoid the easy jokes about being shrunk down to loose eyes or something like that. that I'm sure <laughs> will come from this. But obviously the attraction, part of the attraction's appeal is that it's a, it's a 3D and dare I say 4D attraction. And again, I won't spoil why, but there are definitely some physical effects that will accompany and enhance the experience. And they are different and they are fun and they are not scary like to little kids as sometimes you might get in things like Tough to Be a Bug. They're a lot of fun um, and not distracting. But what I was very curious to see, and Glenn, you tell me your opinions first before I tell you what, what I think, was that this really is the first 3D attraction. You know, we have 3D films and shows in mm-hmm. in the different parks but this is the first one where you are moving and you're interacting how did you find you know using the 3d glasses and the 3d experience i f- i think it is it they have, have it down to such a science now that i was not even aware that it's 3d uh, i was totally uh, it, it was it totally worked 100 percent. i never was thinking for a moment i'm looking at a flat screen uh it was i was immersed in it right away Absolutely. I, you forget the fact that you're wearing the 3D glasses. Uh, mm-hmm. You certainly didn't get any of that. Sometimes people get discomfort or disorientation or, or other issues, uh, especially people maybe that wear contact or, or have some visual issues. And I talked to a number of people after they came off and I asked them specifically, did you feel dizzy? Did you feel disoriented? Did it, did it? And everybody said, I didn't even remember that I was wearing 3D glasses. One, because I was having so much fun. And two, because the effects and the level of reality was so high, it was so stunning and so engaging that you just forget that that it's being enhanced by the glasses. Yes, absolutely. I I really applaud them. And when I play some of the interviews that I took with some of the Imagineers, they'll talk to you about how the 3D element was very important, how they had to wear 3D glasses during many phases of the design and construction of the attraction as well. So it clearly paid off. And I think people who may have had issues in the past probably won't have them here but time will tell I'll be very curious to see but as I said there are a number of different games it's not just you going from screen to screen playing the same game you're really playing five games but more importantly you also get an introductory practice round which I think was a right. great idea um, and I know that I did and my, my young kids ra- uh, wrote it I spoke to other kids that wrote it as well as adults they picked it up instantaneously uh, as soon as you get to that first play area yeah they did a great job of uh i mean your your practice game is throwing pies and right away you're trying out your 
your uh, your gun mechanism, and you find out how it works pretty quickly. And after uh, 25 seconds, they say, "Okay, let's move on." Exactly. And you get... Exactly. And the other games are timed; they're 30 seconds each, and you get a score for each of the different sections that you go through. And then at the end of the attraction, your score is going to be totaled up, and you're going to get a sort of a virtual prize based on your experience. And again, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but all the different game screens are tied into the characters and the theming. So you're not just always shooting darts. You're doing things like throwing pies or ham and eggs have a booth where you're going to launch plastic eggs at uh, barnyard targets. And then Bo Peep has a balloon pop where you actually launch these virtual darts. Again, this is where one of the 4D experiences I remember came out. There's the Green (laughs) Army Men shooting camp uh, where you have to break plates with baseballs. Buzz Lightyear is in the next, and then in the grand finale, you sort of go through Woody's Rootin' Tootin' Shootin' Gallery, and right. this is a that section really was a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, because actually, when you got to that thirty-second point, we're used to finishing the ride uh, starts to move again. It's the for for the first time you're actually shooting as you're moving through the ride. Exactly, and it's great because they are games of skill, and and that's going to definitely appeal to that rewritability factor. But they're not too challenging, you know. Little kids are always going to be able to hit targets, score points, make things happen. So while they may not get, you know, three hundred thousand, they're going to have a lot of fun um, by themselves with the person that they're sitting next to. Right. Uh, there's so many different levels that that have appeal to this attraction and I think that's what really sort of sets it apart and you can never give up because I was winning all the way through (laughs) I was beating I was riding with Lori and I was winning everywhere and then the last board she surpassed me and (laughs) I (laughs) but see that's the you just made the perfect point because that was the fun of it you were not only playing by yourself but you were playing against the person sitting next to you and then you're also playing against the high scores that you see. And this, this I thought, was a, just a great, brilliant piece that Disney put at the end. You'll be able to see the your own score and your accuracy level. So now there's two different things mm-hmm. to compete with, as well as what the person next to you got and the monthly and daily high scores. And I think when I was there, the high score at the time was 240,000 or so. I'm sure very quickly after the attraction opens, that's going to jump up much, much higher right. than that. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be up to a uh, up to a million pretty yeah, quickly. Exactly, exactly. But the thing that I really liked about it too, and again, you know, people talked about this being sort of a, a Buzz Lightyear on steroids. I think it's a, a very poor comparison because one thing that this has too with the 3D element is that you actually see not only the objects that you're shooting, but you're seeing that that the targets getting hit, so you can see the trajectory, and that adds right. a great. You know, that's something that you don't get to see, obviously, in something like Buzz Lightyear or other shooting games like that. Yes, I agree. I don't know how much time we spend on Buzz Lightyear trying to figure out which red light is yours. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you don't have to worry about that in this. Yeah, and the other thing, too, I was surprised about was in between the scenes, that, that movement, that winding, going through the track in the rooms was, right. was really a lot of fun. I mean, it's kind of fast <laughs> and it whips you around. I mean, it's not anything that you have to... I mean, 
if you do have motion issues or if you're pregnant or have back problems, there is a warning at the front of the attraction. But it was a lot of fun. And again, I found myself, Glenn, laughing through the entire attraction. <laughs> I agree. I did the same thing. And while you are spinning around, you're noticing just even for that brief moment that they did not give up on theming in there as well. Uh, even though you're in a dark area, you're still filled with uh, – There's the walls are made up of uh, puzzle pieces and tinker toys, etc. It still keeps that – it makes it look like this was a uh, theme ride that was designed by Woody and Buzz and all his friends. Exactly. And you know what? Your score doesn't matter because you're going to be having so much fun mm-hmm. because you've got the music in the background. Obviously, you've got, you know, you've got a friend in me and other songs playing in the background to really accentuate what you're experiencing. So it's an audio and visual Right. Thing going. It's a very much a multi-sensory experience, and yeah, and the songs are done in a calliope sound. So once again, it brings that midway right into your uh, right into your lap. Absolutely, and it's it's fun, and it can't be in the way that it's meant to be. Uh, you know, we talk about things like the rewritability factor. You know, how many times can you see the attraction before you're like, you know what, I've seen it, I've done it. Um, you know, sometimes you've seen a show, you're like, well, I don't need to see it every time. Here, I think it's so, so very high because there's different ways to enjoy it, whether it be finding new targets or what your high score is, your accuracy level, things that you might look for in the attraction between the different rounds in the queue, the Easter eggs that right. the, the Imagine has hinted to that will cause the scenes to change. And your experience can be very, very different each and every time you ride. Right, right. And, you know, Mr. Potato Head in the queue says it perfectly it really is a ride that's a game and a game that's a ride and i think that's going to be the appeal to both adults and kids alike and i should I, mention too being a, a person of vertical challenge height that there are no age or height restrictions so <laughs> my wife was able to go on with my kids who are two and four respectively and they had a blast i mean my son you know was like Looking forward to going, you know, he kept on talking about riding Buzz and Woody, riding Buzz and Woody all day. <laughs> so, um, I think the attraction, from my perspective, uh, clearly is a home run. It's an e-ticket to me. I don't think it's a D-ticket. I think it changes the landscape of Disney's Hollywood Studios. Yes. Um, I definitely think it is a reason to go and visit if you haven't before. And I know that's yes. saying a lot, but as somebody that goes a lot... I now find myself wanting to go back to the studios to ride this again and again and again. I agree. I, when I heard that they were building this, I was, I have to admit, I wasn't too excited. I was excited that there was going to be a new ride uh, versus just another show or something like that. So the fact that there was a, a moving attraction, that was exciting to me. But I really wasn't too uh, pumped up about it. And as soon as I got on it, I was like, okay, this is the only thing I need to do for the next like uh, 10 visits to the studios. I, I need to ride this. Well, then tell me, what do you think the attraction means to not just Disney's Hollywood Studios, but maybe to Walt Disney World as a whole? I think the fact that they've established a, um, a, a more firm interactive a dark ride it sort of brings it sort of bridges the earliest rides of uh the, of the disney parks the uh the, the snow white the peter pan and it bridges it with the uh the the future that is coming at us no matter what we do um it 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 merges them very well it marries them nicely and uh and i'm glad to have it here 
Yeah, I think for the studios, it clearly infuses new life, not into just, I mean, where they put it was the ideal place uh, in that back portion of the studios. But again, I love the studios, but if you're not a show person and maybe not a thrill ride person, you say, well, you know what? Maybe the studios really is a half day park or there's not stuff for my kids to ride. That that goes away now because now you've got this multi-generational ride that you can go on two, three, four times a day if you want. While you're in between seeing shows and going to lunch and having dinner, you know, maybe for those people who said Hollywood Studios potential half day park, that that goes away now. You know, this, yeah. this makes it a full day park. Yeah, I agree. And and what else is going to happen in that Pixar uh, Pixar Studio area? Uh, there's you know there's still some space down there that they can uh, add some more stuff. I mean, the, the the Meet the Toys attraction across the street is called. Uh, uh, once again, the Scrabble board says you've got a friend in me in Scrabble letters on it. Um, so there's gonna you're gonna be able to meet the Toy Story uh, toys over there as well. It's gonna be a lot of things to bring people down that street. And you, you obviously you like the interactive element of this attraction as opposed to just a passive experience when you get in a vehicle and ride through or, or see a show. Obviously, is this the hope of yours to that hopefully future attractions continue this this interactivity? Well, absolutely. It's like I was saying. It's the the future's coming at us, whether we do it, whether we want it or not. So uh, this is, you know, children today are growing up on video games versus the, uh, you know, we were talking about how Candyland is in the in the queue and uh, shoots and ladders. Those are the games you and I grew up on. So we're just merging these two worlds together, and they 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 physically merge those two worlds together on this attraction. I agree. I, I think this ride will hopefully become an instant classic because of that, because of, of how it appeals to kids and adults. And you've got the classic dark ride, and you've got a, a story being told, and the interactivity. And, and in the future, too, because of the technology that's being used, this attraction could be updated and upgraded probably very easily as the, the 3D games change or the ride vehicle changes whatnot because of the way the building was constructed. Right, right. But I have a feeling that, um, you know, I took a picture when I was there of something and I posted it on my blog of something that I said, you're probably not going to see for a very, very, very long time. And that was the standby line being five minutes <laughs> because <laughs> this is going to be it. This is the gate buster attraction uh, for yes. just Hollywood Studios. Um, and I was, yeah. I was really, really, I don't want to say pleasantly surprised. But I was giddy at how much I enjoyed it, and that's uh, yes. that's the reaction I was hoping that I was going to have. I totally agree. If there's anything, if there's one thing I would uh, warn people about is it's unlike Buzz. It's not an Omni mover, uh, so the loading time does seem it. You know, it might not be the most efficient, uh, but it. But the the vehicles only accommodate four people, so the lines can be a bit long. But but don't skip. Don't go in the single rider line to avoid that because you really need to go through that queue and you really need to visit with uh, Mr. Potato Head and check out the, the things that are in the queue all over the place. Absolutely. And I think despite however long the lines might be, you're going to enjoy your time spent in the queue much the same way I enjoy going through Everest and realizing yeah. the story that's being told. And here it's just, you don't have to worry about figuring out the story. Just enjoy the audio visual elements that are around you. Um, right. So I really applaud Disney and the Imagineers. And I actually uh, had a chance to speak 
to some of the Imagineers that worked on the attractions, a number of senior show designers. I also got a chance to speak to the new vice president of Disney's Hollywood Studios, get their uh, reactions and, and hear them talk a little bit about it, which was uh, really a treat for me, and I think you guys are going to enjoy. I, of course, want to say thank you to Disney for inviting me and to all the Imagineers who worked on the attraction and who took the time to speak with me. Um, again, Glenn, I think the, the, the consensus clearly is is that um, this is the new e-ticket attraction, and uh, I'm really, really happy to see it at the studios and, and what this might mean the future holds for us as guests. Absolutely. The toys are back in town. <laughs> Absolutely. Glenn Whalen, thanks so much for coming on, buddy. I really appreciate it. Lou, I appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. So I'm here at Disney's Hollywood Studios with TC and Kerry, the two Walt Disney World ambassadors as part of today's Toy Story Mania media event. I want to welcome you both to the WDW Radio Show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Nice to hear from everyone. Kerry, I'm sorry, TC, it's nice to see you again. Kerry, it's nice to finally get a chance to meet you. So obviously we're here for the opening of Toy Story Mania. You guys have had a chance to ride. I have not. Give me your impressions. It is an absolutely amazing attraction. If you've ever wondered what it's like to be shrunk down to the size of a toy, here's your opportunity. You've got five minutes, and it is so much fun. I think anybody who comes, no matter how old they are, how young they are, are going to find something to love about this attraction. It's absolutely the most high-energy, throw-you-around kind of interactive game where you will compete with the partner sitting next to you. And I walked away with 9,000 points thinking that I was, you know, a Toy Story Mania top, you know, player here. And looking at their scores of 100,000, these, our guests know exactly what to do. It's it's just an incredible uh, amount of energy with interaction of your, your the game. You have, wear 3D glasses, so you're really immersed into this giant arcade video game. And like TC said, it's like you've been shrunk down to the size of a toy. And the great thing, too, is it seems like you'll be able to ride it over and over again, not only because it's so different, but because now you can compete against your friends or your family or whoever's got that high score on the leaderboard. And it gets challenging. Each each round you go through, you'll go through one where you'll kind of, you know, um, virtually throw like a, a balloon toss or a ring toss. And then the next game you'll go to will get a little bit harder where you have to move a little faster and the targets are moving faster. So at the end of this game, you have laughed and you are exhausted because it is just the most fun. I am so looking forward to seeing people's faces as they come out of the ride because that's when you hear the exclamation points. You hear, wow, that was amazing, or I beat you, I challenge you, let's do it again. It's one of those great attractions that every time you go on it, it will be a little bit different. And I think that's just so exciting for our guests. They know they're coming back for a custom experience that they can get better and better at. And the fact that it's great for adults and kids even though we'll all be embarrassed when the little 12-year-old kid comes out with a higher score than us. But it's, again, you can ride over and over. It's something that's family-friendly and very engaging for everybody as well. The, the 12-year-olds definitely will be walking out with the top score. Uh, we can probably guarantee that. And it's fun to see families friendly, you know, competing in a friendly way and bringing the families together that, you know, mom and dad and the little children or whoever's in that car, you just build a bond. You really do. It might sound a little, a little cliche or a little corny, but you really... 
you really build a bond because you're on this ride attraction together. And um, like I said, usually it is the little ones walking out with a high score of the day. I think it just really goes back to Walt's vision. He thought of Disneyland as a place where daddies and mommies and daughters and sons could all have fun. Well, here we are many years later, 2008, and we're still following that vision. Toy Story Mania is a perfect example of that, that your grandparents down to the smallest children are going to be able to have a great time. I look forward to getting a couple of high fives from my kids as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie and TC, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you through the rest of the day, and um, hopefully I'll see you guys on Toy Story Mania. Look forward to it. Good luck. <laughs> Can't wait to see you all out here. Thanks. You've got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice You guys need look like you need a little bit of extra magic today in your day. Yes. <laughs> you lost your voice and your son looks like he need what's his name? Trevor. Trevor. You need a little magic today, a little something special? Sure, yeah. Well, as part of the Year of a Million Dreams, I have the opportunity to uh, to to make a little magic of our own thanks to the Walt Disney Company. I'm here for the media event for Toy Story Mania, and they've given me what they call a dream pass. And this will allow you and your family a chance to ride Toy Story Mania today before it opens to the public. So, Trevor, I will guarantee you, I just stepped off this ride, you are gonna turn that frown upside down, my friend. Do you like, do you like Buzz and Woody and Toy Story? Yeah, I Yeah. Yeah, how old are you? Two. Two? I love your face. Is that a tiger? Yeah. Give me a roar. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Who's this guy on here? Do you know who that is? Who's this one? I saw the Lion King. You oh. saw the Lion King? Yeah, with Simba. With Simba? Who's this, Mr. Who? Mr. Potato Head. Mr. Potato Head. Well, you can take that and you can go right down here to Pixar Place and you can ride Toy Story Mania today. Like I said before, it opens to the public. That's awesome. Thank you. What do you say? Thank you. You're very welcome. Where are you guys from? Pennsylvania. What part? Uh, Taylor. Okay. I went to Villanova. Oh, okay. So good. Well, I hope that helps. I hope you guys have a great day. We're having a great time, right? Trevor's going to be his birthday on May 22nd. He'll be great. And we came down to just show him all about Mickey Mouse. So he's having a ball. That's a great place to spend your birthday, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Cool. Oh, that's the little mermaid. Yeah. You tell mommy and daddy, I want to spend every birthday down here. <laughs> really? I do. I know, it's awesome. You turn into a little kid. Absolutely. Well, guys, have a great time. I hope you enjoyed the attraction. You're very welcome. Take care. Toy 
Story Mania offers guests of all ages a chance to feel what it's like to be shrunk to the size of a toy and interact with some of their favorite characters from one of the best Disney Pixar stories ever told. What I love about this attraction is the way it merges classic Disney storytelling with an interactive ride game system that's unlike anything we've done before. To borrow a line from Mr. Potato Head, it's a ride that's a game, and a game that's a ride. Well, whatever you call it, Toy Story Mania immerses guests in a world of 3D animation and 4D special effects that's fun for the entire family. We've playtested this attraction in recent weeks, and we've found that with the chance to improve their scores during every game, along with some hidden surprises in every scene, guests are ready to get right back on as soon as they finish this ride. Toy Story Mania joins an impressive lineup of new experiences here at Disney Hollywood Studios this summer. This includes the Black Party Bash Parade, High School Musical Show, Playhouse Disney Live Show, and a new Narnia experience, which premieres this Friday in Prince Caspian. So right now, it's time to play your way through the next generation of Disney-style I'm here with Chrissy Allen. She's a senior show producer and director from Walt Disney Imagineering. Chrissy, welcome to the WW Radio Show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Thank you very much. I just had my, my first occasion of, of what's going to be many to ride Toy Story Mania. And I have to tell you, once again, Disney Imagineering has raised the bar. Oh, thank you so much. We love hearing from guests who tell us that. That's just the greatest. Well, the, the attraction exceeded any expectations that I may have had. And really, one of the things that impressed me most was that it really breaks new ground from a technology perspective, not just with the 3D animation and the ride vehicles, but the level of interactivity and the computing power, I'm sure, that must have gone into it. Oh, absolutely. You know, we combined a lot of existing technologies, but we put them together for the first time in the way they're done on this ride. So, as you said, computing, there's over 150 computers that run this thing. I mean, it is an amazing technical feat, but it's really all in the support of the telling of the story. Obviously, you think about that when you're riding, but really what you're thinking about is how can I score more points? Exactly. And it is all about story. And that was my next question, because I think so many guests kind of overlook that there's a story behind this. Can you tell us briefly what, what the story is? Because I think we get lost in just having fun. Okay, sure. Well, you remember Andy from the Toy Story movies. Well, Andy got for his birthday the Toy Story Midway Games playset, and it came with six carnival booths. It came with little food carts. It came with carnival trams and spring action shooters and 3D glasses. So one night, he and the family go out to Pete's Planet for dinner, and the toys find the playset box. They set it up under the bed, and in order to finish off the midway, they took all the toys out of Andy's box, and they kind of put them all around the midway sets so that they could create their own little carnival world. And that's really the story you're going into. As you ride the vehicles, the first thing you do is you go through the box. You see the Toy Story Midway Games playset. You go through that portal, and that's where you enter the magical world. It all makes sense when you say it because we're standing in the queue and it's filled with games from our childhood. There's Candyland, there's Chutes and Ladders, 
there are the Viewmasters with Peter Pan and Disneyland. So it's brilliant how you're able to incorporate that. And that actually, you know, that's one thing that this attraction does too, is it brings things from our childhood, like the Midway games that we experienced at carnivals or the boardwalks, and combines it with this new technology. Absolutely. You know, we took a cue from Toy Story because once we decided to feature the Toy Story characters, we took the movie apart a frame at a time. And what you'll find is, in the queue and in the load and load station, all of these games actually appear in the movie, including all the books on the shelves and all the toys. So it got us to talking while we were designing about our favorite games from childhood and so on. And when we talked to Pixar, they said the same thing. I mean, they were really inspired by the games they played as children. So we're really glad to bring them all back here in this wild attraction for everybody's memories and then their future generations' memories as well. Absolutely, and that's the thing too. It appeals on so many levels, I think, to both kids and adults. Adults who are gonna not only enjoy the attraction, but enjoy seeing these things. And the kids, because that level of technology that you've brought to it as well. Absolutely, and I don't know if you noticed, but the games are designed for every level of ability. So we say it's from three to 103, and the fact of the matter is, when we design interactive rides, we bring the guests in from day one. So we've tested three-year-olds and we've tested 80-year-olds all along the design process to ensure that it's so intuitive that the first time you sit down in the tram and you start to activate the spring action shooter, you know exactly what to do. And in addition to that, there's big targets that are easy for little kids to hit, smaller high-value targets, a little more challenging. And then, of course, we have the Easter eggs and the nested targets that are for much more challenging to players who play games all the time. And that's the, I mean, I, the first time I read it, just had this grin on my face. I was just enjoying the experience. And I see as time goes on, I'm going to have to start worrying about my score and how I'm going to compete with the 12-year-olds the that are doing so much better. <laughs> yeah, well, we have a lot of uh, young game designers, and we've had to be competing with them all along, too. The more you play, the better you'll get. Absolutely. Well, Chrissy Allen, thank you very much. The attraction is brilliant. Uh, I'm going to get back online right now. Oh, thank you very much. Have a good time. Thank you. I'm here with Kevin Rafferty. He is a senior concept writer and director from Walt Disney Imagineering. Kevin, welcome to the show and congratulations. Hi, Lou. Thank you very much. We're very happy, very excited that this is open and uh, boy, it's just causing a lot of excitement. Uh, exactly. And it, it, it's an exciting day, not just because it's a new attraction, but it's one that really brings a whole new level of guest interactivity to the parks. It really does. It raises the bar to, for a, um, an interactive ride game experience for the entire family. And what we did is, was we mixed the, the cast of characters from Toy Story with the traditional Midway games that you would see on any typical Midway. And we put them together to create the first ride-through Midway game experience. And every time a guest returns to experience the attraction, it's going to be a different experience for them. Well, that's the thing that I seemed to, to really enjoy was knowing that I would come back not just to compete for a better score and see what I may have missed, but know that it's going to be a different ride experience every time. Right. It will be a different ride experience every time. You'll notice things differently each time you go through. Uh, the score is up to you. Of course, there's three ways of scoring. One is to get a, a, a numer numerical score. The second is to get an accuracy score. And the third is to see what kind of virtual plush animal you win at the end of the game sequence. And I'm sure there's there's hidden treasures and little things to kind of Easter eggs to find in the attraction as well. Oh yeah, there's lots of little hidden fun things that that you can ride and experience the attraction and play the games many many times, and you'll discover new things um, that we have hidden. And you and you will see that when you find these hidden objects, you'll get better scores. They could change the effect of the scene in the Bo Peep. Uh, balloon pop, for example, it may change the weather in that booth, depending on what you do. So there's lots of little hidden surprises. 
And technology speaking, I mean, it, you can, it really breaks new ground, not just because you have basically five or so different sort of games to play, but the ride system and the vehicles and the 3D technology is just spectacular. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, the, the technology behind the scenes, I mean, the games themselves look very simple and, you know, you, you shrink to the size of a toy and you enter into the toy world, but behind the scenes, the technology that drives the whole thing is really mind-boggling because imagine all our guests in there pulling on their spring action shooters and all the technology that is creating that experience for them real time, and they actually become part of the show. They're not just passive observers, they are the show themselves. They create what happens during that time. And the Mr. Potato Head figure, you know, he's he's just a little guy, he's five feet two, and we're shrunk to the size of a toy, but but in in reality, he is a giant in the world of audio animatronic figures. He he is just just stuffed with great new technology that that allows him to remove his ear and snap it back on, and he's able to, to, to point, look at the guests that he is speaking to and interact with them and know a lot about them and answer any question, and he, and he sings, and he's just a really fantastic character. There's so much to take in just from the queue, above and beyond Mr. Potato Head, and then once you get into the attraction, uh, it, it's amazing, and it's clear, like I said, you've raised the bar once again. Thank you very much. It's, it's, it was so fun to work on, and, and here it is, it's almost open, and I'm looking around seeing all these smiling faces, and it just brings a lot of joy in many ways. And you know, one of the one of my favorite moments was when there was a, a, a grandmother probably in her in her early 70s and she was with an eight or nine year old grandchild and they were both having the time of their lives together because we specifically designed the attraction so that the gameplay would be fun for whether you're really good, whether you're a gamer, or whether you're not a gamer at all. We found that people that don't play games are really enjoying the attraction. So one of the things we've been saying is from expert to beginner, everyone's a winner. And it's very simple to figure out from the second you sit down that there's nothing complicated about it, and you immediately get immersed in the whole experience. That's right. You know, it's very intuitive. You know, based on, on the Midway games, where you throw darts and pop balloons, you throw rings and ring things, and you throw baseballs and knock things over or break things, it's very intuitive. And once you get on board and you see that spring action shooter in front of you and you pull the string, you're just off and running, you know? Absolutely. Kevin Rafferty, thank you very much. Congratulations once again. Thanks again, Lou. I appreciate it. I'm pleased to be joined by Lori Coltrane. She is a senior show producer and director from Walt Disney Imagineering. Lori, congratulations, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show. Well, thank you for having me. This is a very exciting day. I'm sure you must be just ecstatic to, to see so many smiling faces coming off your attraction. Absolutely. This is what we work so hard for. How long did it take? Tell me a little bit about the genesis of the attraction. How long did it take from that initial concept, that blue sky meeting, to today? You know, it's about three years. And uh, we spent a lot of time working on getting the right concept and developing the ideas. And I've been working on it about two years, um, from the beginning of the early efforts all the way until today when you see what you're seeing here. And, and, and how did it really begin? Was it that we have this amazing new technology that we want to showcase, or is it with story we want to tell? I, it was definitely the story. We wanted, we wanted to feature the Toy Story characters, and also we, want, we had an idea to do another interactive type of game, similar to Buzz Lightyear, something along those lines, because we knew it was so popular. So it was a combination of looking into different stories that could work together with a fun game, and the toys and games just sounded like the right match. Absolutely, and it definitely works. And you know, it's funny you mentioned Buzz Lightyear because when I had first heard about the attraction, that's what came to mind. But after riding it, it's an unfair comparison because you've just taken it to such a whole new level. Yeah, it's totally a different level of interactivity. Um, the idea that you can aim something, 
watch the, uh, the uh, projectiles come out of it on the screen, see a reaction right away of something breaking and then feel the, the movement of air right up across your face. I mean, it's really um, technologically advanced in getting all of these components to talk to each other and be really seamless. So, it's so it looks so easy, but it's got so much complexity behind it. And the 3D technology works so well. There's no disorientation, there's no anything. You feel as though you are watching the rings be tossed or the darts be tossed. It's, it's a true, I mean, I was blown away while still trying to get a good score. Oh, that's great. And you know, it's really funny because this is the first time we've ever worn 3D glasses inside of a ride here at uh, Walt Disney World. And we had to wear the 3D glasses while we were painting and while we were designing the colors because you're inside the room and you're wearing the glasses and it does change the way that the colors look. So it was a fun um, idea to use the 3D glasses and the black light paint and the projections all in one attraction. Yeah, and you, you lose sight of the fact that you're wearing anything from the moment you start to ride. We talk about the re-rideability factor and certainly it's a new experience every time, but it almost seems as though you want to ride again and again because you know you're going to get better. You're going to learn the more times you ride the attraction. Yeah, that's right. And there's all kinds of little secret things that you'll have to ride it many times to find. Sometimes you'll find it by accident, and you don't even know what it is you hit that made a special thing happen. So we really are happy that it's that it's uh, uh, an attraction that can be ridden over and over again. It'll bring people back, and, and hopefully they'll discover all sorts of magical places to aim for. All right, give me an imagineering hint for a way to increase our score. <laughs> uh, smaller targets are worth more. <laughs> you say that with a grin on your face. Lori Coulter, thank you very much. Congratulations. The attraction is spectacular. I look forward to many, many years of riding it over and over again. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Did you ride it? I did ride it. What'd you think? Spectacular. <laughs> I, I, I came off speechless because I was smiling so much. That's how much I enjoyed it. We agree with you that it is spectacular. <laughs> and we're here with Rylas. Carter. He is the Vice President for Disney's Hollywood Studios. Today is an exciting day, not just for the company, but especially for you to have this attraction in your park. It must be incredible. Yeah, and I'm like a kid in the candy store here, you know. Not that we're standing in candy land, but, you know, it, it's just so much fun. I mean, I get to be a kid, and I get paid to do it. That's wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I think I tell us to everybody that I interview that you have the best job in the world, but you very well might be, especially today, uh, because this brings such a new level of guest interactivity to Walt Disney World, something that we've never seen before, and it's been compared to Buzz Lightyear, but it's really an unfair comparison. Right, right. And we've heard that too. Even we had some people write it last weekend and said, wow, this exceeds Buzz Lightyear, and it's one of the best things that said some of the uh, the guests that are returning have seen. And we had our annual pass holders in last weekend, so they're, they're some of our best gauges on these things, because they are here, man. They We had one guy who wrote it 14 times last weekend. He couldn't believe it. Well, I can see why. Having come off, I'm anxious to get through the interview so I can get back on again before the line gets long. And that's the appeal, I think, of this attraction is that level of rewritability, knowing that there's something new to explore, something new to discover, and to try and get a better score. Right, right. And it's also different than the other attractions because other attraction is just the attraction. Here, you got a score. You have something to gauge. So when you go back the next time, you said, "Okay, I scored 150. Next time, I want to get to 175." You want to look at what are those little things I can do now to improve my score. So really, it's, it's almost you're competing against yourself in some cases, as well as the people you're riding with or your family or those. I, I think it's brilliant that you have the monthly high score out there because now you're going to try and beat that you know for your personal self right yeah I'm still wondering how some guy got you know scored that high you know because I'm still hitting in the mid 150 range so so I'm working on it <laughs>
The thing that's wonderful about this, like I said, is the level of guest interactivity. Uh, I think it's something unlike that we've seen anywhere else. Do you think this is the start of, of a new trend that we're going to start seeing in attractions? Well, I hope so. I, I mean, I think I think it's wonderful. I, again, this is, we've done it here and also at Disneyland now, so we have two of those. So I think we'll gauge that, and I think WDI will make some decisions from that. And, it, and you, that interactivity begins in the queue itself with Mr. Potato Head, continues on through the attraction. And actually, it actually starts on Pixar Place. I mean, you look at Pixar Place, you start looking at the Green Army Men, you see the, the kite string, you see the Scrabble board. You are, you're, already in, into the, you're already into this attraction before you ever walk into the door. And, and as I was mentioning earlier, son, even just a sense of arrival, being in the queue line here, I think one of the things we've done is, 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 is setting up these queue lines where they are interactive in themselves. So the guests, they, they get an experience just walking in the door. I wasn't making friends outside as I was stopping to take pictures of every little detail I could possibly find. And that's exactly what I mean. I mean, that, that, those are things that I think are going to resonate with people for a very, very, very long time. Rylas Carter, thank you so much. Congratulations once again. This is like uh, a new child for you and like I said, a new toy. Thank you. We just gave birth and we're happy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. So I've just come off my first of many, many rides, I'm sure, on Toy Story Midway Mania. And I'm here with Simon Vaness. He is one of the authors of the Brit's Guide to Walt Disney World and Orlando. Simon, welcome. Hi there. Hi. How are you doing, Lou? Good. It's great to see you again on obviously such a very exciting day. You just rode the attraction as well. Tell me your, your initial thoughts. Well, I'm still a bit starry-eyed by it all. I mean, it, it, things happen so fast and there is so much in this ride. You come off feeling, what on earth was that? I mean, it's, it's exciting, it's fun, it's vivid, it's incredibly colorful. And there is so much action involved in this. You're really left thinking, wow, what just happened? And I came off... I don't even know how long the ride was because it felt like I was on there for a long time trying to take everything and trying to see so much and still trying to get a good score. That, that's right. I mean, you really do You feel like you're completely immersed in this, this world of games and things going on that you can't really understand, but you know it's fun. So you're just going to keep shooting and see what happens. And what do you think uh, of the queue and just the level of interactivity that begins really as you start to step in from outside? I, I think this is what we expect of Disney. I mean, I'm really pleased to see they've really gone for a very in-depth, colorful um, and engaging queue line. Everything here, there's, there's so much to see and look at as you're walking around. There's the Mr. Potato Head character. There's lots of colorful um, icons and things to catch your attention and obviously keep you interested in, in what's coming up. Now, I, I was really blown away by the attraction and just everything from the second I walked in. Do you think this is it? Do you think this is the new e-ticket attraction that we've been waiting for? I think certainly as far as this park is concerned, I think it will do. I think this will give um, the whole family. It's not going to be the high adrenaline thrill ride that the people are looking for from Tower of Terror and uh, Rock and Roller Coaster, but this is your classic Disney family ride, I think, you know, to a perfection here. They've... they've given something just about for everybody the whole you know from the youngest children up to mum and dad they're all can they can take part they can be involved and i think they can enjoy a ride where they all get on together and then they all all compare scores afterwards and think wow that was fun let's do it again and that's what you want to hear and, and see from a disney ride exactly and it goes back to walt disney's original vision of having a place and he can go with his kids and enjoy together this ride really typifies that because i want to go as somewhat of an, as an adult and enjoy it, but I know that my kids will just lose their minds on this ride. I, I think that's absolutely right. And it, to, in a way, it moves on from the, the seas with Nemo, you know, the living sea, because that we feel was another really good family ride. And they seem to have adapted that 
idea and brought it even more to life with this. Obviously, this is an interactive ride now, so you, you really do feel you're involved on a family level, but you're in, engaged with the ride as well, which I would think is absolutely what they want to do. It, now, Susan Vaness is the woman behind the man and the co-author of The Brit's Guide. You also just got off the attraction itself. What were your opinions of it? Oh, I absolutely loved it. And one thing I was thinking of as we were going through is we've got, what, a, a, a 9, 11, and 15-year-old, and you just really get a sense that even though they're at different ages and different abilities, they're really going to enjoy the attraction in their own way. So it's something that an 8-year-old or a 6-year-old and a 15-year-old and up can, can get a lot out of and still feel that they've, they've had that great challenge. That was something that really struck me. And I've even seen kids as young as four, five, six, seven coming off. Obviously the 3D was an issue. Even if their score wasn't good, they just love the colors and the sights and the familiar characters. So I just think that the mix of technology and storytelling and those classic attractions, these classic games from our childhood is just the right mix. Yeah, there was a little boy behind us, and I was sort of eavesdropping as we were coming off the ride, and he was just chattering away about how much fun he was having, and so it was, I mean, to me, that's the real pleasure of, of these attractions. As much as I enjoy them for myself, it's also really nice to hear the kids come off and hear how much fun. Now, is it, this a reason for Brits and people across the pond to make their pilgrimage back to Walt Disney World if they haven't been here in a couple of years? I, I would think so, definitely. I would, I would think that anyone, you know, thinking of, of coming back over here in the near future is going to be interested in this particular ride. It is something that, again, it gives you the interactivity which people now demand from the rides, but it does give you the repeat factor because you can come over. It's not one of those things you're just going to do once, guaranteed. It will keep you here. You can do this two or three times in the course of a day and really feel like you've been entertained you know, in, on a large scale. Well, great. Simon and Susan Vaness, author of The Brit Guide to Walt Disney World in Orlando. Thank you very much. And uh, I say we go ride again. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll, we'll be in the queue for that straight away. That's all the time we have this week. But before I end the show, I did say that I was going to have an announcement. So here we go. I mentioned a while back that I had been working on another Walt Disney World related project for some time and announced that in addition to the next CD in my audio guide to Walt Disney World series, which as you know is going to be Adventureland, I had been looking for a way to kind of get that bit of a Disney magic when I'm at home or work each and every day, and that's when the idea for my 2009 page-a-day calendar came from. It's filled with Walt Disney World secrets, fun facts, and fascinating history, along with quizzes, puzzles, and games, and it's not only a way to help you as a Disney fan learn something new, but it's also fun for any trivia lover who also enjoys Disney. It's a great way to count down to the days to your next Walt Disney World vacation. You can keep it on your desk or on your wall at home for that daily little bit of Disney magic. So I'm very happy to announce that the calendar will be available for order directly from DisneyWorldTrivia.com later on this week. And the calendars should begin shipping probably within 7 to 10 days, possibly earlier from then. So here's your chance to own it first before it's available anywhere else, including online and regular bookstores. It's a great way to get magical memories, history, and trivia tidbits all year long. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Again, for more information, to see some cover and a sample page or to order, you can go to DisneyWorldTrivia.com. Now, I hope you enjoyed our look at Toy Story Mania. I want to say a special thanks to the Walt Disney World Company for their assistance, as well as all the Imaginers and Rylas Carter for their efforts this past week. 
Thanks also to Glenn Whalen for his help in taking a look at the attraction. I'm going to post some more photos on the site this week, so please come back and check on those. A couple of quick reminders. If you come to DisneyWorldTrivia.com, you can check out the new video teaser for the audio guide to Main Street USA. I'm also working, like I said, on Adventureland now. Going to have a release date for that pretty soon. You can purchase Main Street USA both as a CD or instantly downloadable MP3 file. I also recently installed a new feature both on Disney World Trivia and the WDWRadio.com homepages where you can get instant updates as I post them from my computer or phone. I try and update often so you can see where I might be in the parks, what I might be working on, or just some miscellaneous ramblings. You can look for the module on the right-hand side of the DisneyWorldTrivia.com homepage and on the WDWRadio.com homepage. Like I said, I'm going to try and update as often as possible, especially when I'm in the parks at Walt Disney World. You can also sign up to follow and get updates as they're posted. You'll find the link right there in the modules. If you want to be on the air, if you have a segment suggestion, a comment, a question, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com, or you can call the voicemail anytime at 206-202-4WDW. That's 206-202-4939. On the show notes page at wdwradio.com, you'll find more information about some of my recommended products and services from my partners like Mouse Fan Travel, who's my recommended travel provider specializing in Disney vacations, Owner's Locker, Orlando Fun Tickets, and more. You can also pick up your official WDWRadio.com t-shirts right on the site as well. In the next few weeks, I'm going to have more on the wonders of Walt Disney World. We're going to have some more trivia, exclusive interviews, travel planning tips, and so much more. I'm also going to have some more live audio from the parks, and I'm going to have more information as to how and when you can join me as I record some segments live from inside Walt Disney World. Listen for more details as I begin to plan my trip for Star Wars weekends in June. If you'd like to comment on the show, please post your feedback on the forums at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. You'll find a link there from the WDWRadio.com show notes page. Also, if you like the show, please review us on iTunes, and more importantly, please help spread the word and let others know about it. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Thanks to all my guests. Have a great week. See ya. With happy amigos, no matter where he goes, the one, two, and three goes, we're always together. Size matters not. Look at me. Judge me by my size, do you?